0: Welcome in. This is episode six of the Drive Home with Dad. Hope you guys are all buckled into your high seats and high chairs. Everybody's ready to go on this drive. Um, I have some special guests with me today. I have uh, Roy and Roy here today. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, guys. Uh, I'm the first Roy. And I am the second Roy. Well, technically, second Roy is the first Roy because he was here first as far as like born first right yes yeah yeah okay yes i really didn't do justice to that but you are right and um as per a previous conversation with you roy um we uh Due to contractual disputes, this is episode six, so I didn't skip you to episode seven, so we're still on contract there.
1: Oh, okay, good. Yeah, because, again, I'm, I'm never allowed to go episode seven or higher with any uh, podcast. Okay, yeah, perfect, perfect. Just never make it that far.
0: Okay. I, I didn't really feel like uh, getting litigation brought to me, so we, we wanted to stay on, on track there.
1: Good. My, my team has more important things to worry about with uh, <laughs> foregoing investigations and things that are you know coming down the in the future. Perfect.
0: Um, so, uh, we, this, if you have, if you're new to the cast, um, what we do here is we basically talk to dads and get, you know, get an idea of, of what your dad life is and what dad life is for you. Um, the dads that I like to bring on are dads that, that I see, uh, something uh, good in what they do and something uh, positive in how they, how they are with their family and for their family. Um, so before we get too deep into it, uh, I just want to let you know that uh, from a dad to another dad, I appreciate what you do. You're a good dad. Um, the, the title of you know, world's greatest dad, I don't think it's a, it's not a spot, it's a level and you're definitely there. As as per your your t shirt, that's awesome, by the way.
1: Well, again, I'm always going to be short to Clark Griswold, but aren't (laughs) we
0: all in that sense? Yeah, but you know, it's one of those things where you know you see because it's not. I think being a a great dad is a it's an it's a non glorious position because it it, there's a lot of um there's a lot of selflessness it's involved there. You know, nobody nobody glorifies dad as as opposed to the one day of the year where you get a tie that you're probably not going to wear.
1: Well, and what's funny about it is your best days are the ones that you ironically will probably get little to no recognition for. You know what I mean? Because right. you are just going out and doing those dadisms that are required of you. This is what I need to do here. This is what I'm going to do there and at the end of it i'm going to be asleep in my chair at 8:30 trying to watch <laughs> the first 15 minutes of a movie but <laughs> in that sense that's when it's ironically you you're at your best because you've done everything that that needed
0: to be done that day right and then those and those little victories at the at that end of the day you know now we have netflix where we can pause you know, as opposed to, to before where, you know, Hey, quiet down. Cause the show's on, I can't, there's nothing I can do here, um, on live TV. Um, but when, you know, I I've had the times and I'm sure you had too. um, mine are a little bit younger than yours, but you know, you have this horribly long day and you come home and my, my favorite part of the day is coming home to hearing the little, uh, footsteps of, of my daughter running into my arms. She'll stay up, uh, to meet me at the door, to give me a a hug, tell me that she loves me, and then I'll put her to bed and give her her snuggies and everything else. So no matter what the day has in store for me, I know that that's at the end of it. So it 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 pushes you through it, right? It totally does. My mine sounds a
1: little bit different because at the end of the night, now that you know my kids are a little bit older, it it now rings to the tune of. We said get into the shower. This is the fourth time we said it. Now, will one of you please get in the shower because there's still two more of you coming after this? And again, (laughs) it's always done out of love, but it is the reality of like now that's that's now part of the evening jam is like now at the age where my kids are at, it's like they've is your homework done? Is are you now ready? You know, you now have to take a shower because you're at that point. In the boy cycle, where you just naturally smell, you know, you can't. T- kid. Yeah, <laughs> you can't say, "Oh, I didn't do PE today."
0: No, you just you were a you, you were, were avoided a today. Today. Yeah. yes, yeah. and you
1: still stink.
0: Yeah, because cause mine, my boy's seven and we recently had to get, uh, some deodorant for him and we got like, you know, the natural one, he doesn't use it every day. So it's one of those things where maybe like out of the week, he might do it one time when he's on a, on a, on a particularly smelly day that I don't want to throw him into the, into the shower yeah. real quick. And we we can wait until the end of the day or till or until tomorrow or whatever it is, you know? Um, but you have how many boys? Uh, three boys, yep. three boys. um, And uh, tell me a little bit about them. So we have Nico that is 12 years old.
1: Uh, Starting with Nico, he's our in-house musician. So uh, when you get to come home to the pitter-patter of little feet, I'm usually coming home to the sound of either a horn being played. Uh, He plays baritone in his school band. However, he also has trumpet. Uh, He also is very prolific in the electric guitar and drums. So I could be walking in in the middle of a guitar solo He's been very fond of the national anthem recently. So he's been playing that Jimi Hendrix style. Uh drum again, drum solos. Very musical kid. He so he is involved with that. And then we have Sal and Carlo, twins, 10 years old, identical twins. And they're again, they're (laughs) they're not they're not musically as gifted like Nico was, but what that you now hear from their room, the sound of Oh, gosh. What is it it cello? Mm -hmm. It's a cello and trombone being played out of theirs, and they're learning. Whereas he – Nico is very just fluid and can – oh, you want me to play this song? There you go. He's
0: that kid then. Oh, yes. He's that kid, and you're like, how – how dare you? How dare you be this awesome? And how dare you not have to put any effort into this? It,
1: it was from about the age of two or three. And I think one of the first things he walked up to the piano and played was a Super Mario Brothers scene. But he, we realized that he could do it by ear. By ear. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's been his journey ever since. Or if he, he's the also – and they're all now like this. They like to take Alexa, the, the Amazon mm-hmm. tap, into the bathroom so they can listen to music. But while Nico's in the shower – every bit as much as he plays instruments you now hear that guttural heavy metal like he loves nice. to, to he that's his version of singing in the shower 21st century style is doing it to his to Mashuga and nice. stuff like that and it's so it's completely different uh they all but they all complement each other well and the and the twins they are your textbook do gooder school types like they they're in student council they love to play sports for their school and if something's asked of them they they put the time in to do those things so that's very much their vibe whereas Nico is the lone the I say the lone musician but his jam is much better served behind closed doors right. just riffing it out and making sense of the world and I know as a
0: guy that plays an instrument you can you can relate to yeah, that in that yeah. sense and and, and that's kind of why I said the how dare you you know cuz For me, music is it's vital to my soul, but I'm not talented or gifted in any way. You know, it it, everything came with with effort and effort and effort and effort, you know, and it took me three months to learn. The, the simplest riff on the bass, you know? And uh, I've had friends like that, that they're, you know, like, oh yeah, you're doing this. Oh, I've never tried that. Let me try. And then you're like, really? Like you're just going to sit there and just be awesome. Like, you know, so, but, but it's cool. And, and I, I, I love all that. Um, was music uh, this way for you growing up as well? Yeah, but not in the sense that
1: you would think like my, I had no, musical talent to speak of other in the sense that i was an appreciator of music like that you know when i was a kid there would be the vinyl records that would be laying about and things like that and then once i was old enough to i think the the first two cassettes that i bought with my own money were beastie boys License to ill and run dmc raising hell so right in that 1986 87 area was when i started to purchase and started a lifelong love affair with collecting right. music i'm still that person that has way too many cds in my collection and i'll never give them up but that is the essence of my contribution to the music thing i'm always listening to music i admittedly do not listen to enough podcasts because i still listen to albums right like i am that person that just will say oh i've got an hour where nobody's around i'm gonna crank up the home pod and listen to an album start to finish because I'm still of that generation where that's what I really appreciate. Mm -hmm. So as it relates to, especially with Nico and it's, and the twins are the same. They've had their own musical journey with some incredible parts too. But with Nico, there's two things about it. One of which when Kara was, Kara, my wife, again, when she was eight and a half months pregnant, we took we went to see The Roots in San Francisco. That's awesome. Now we knew we had tickets to The Roots. We knew this was cutting it close, but she felt good. We knew that it was we were moving towards a comfortable delivery date. So we're like, we're going to do this. And we always thought that night we were like, she was blessed. You know, Nika was blessed by Questlove and and that <laughs> whole aura of that type of talent. But the other thing that happened is out the, as really once he was born, I was a big avid pusher of playing the music that i loved for him but with and mind you with restraint
0: right right you're it, not gonna it, yeah
1: it wasn't pantera out the womb even though now he plays pantera but it was like acoustic songs by the white stripes and, right and just things that struck a good dad tone but also was like ooh, if i can start playing you a little of my music maybe you'll like it right his first musical love affair was the Ramones. And to me, I'm like, if you're gonna start, that's always that's the backbone of every piece of music he's ever loved since he right. went on to love ACDC and oingo
0: boingo by the time he was three. <laughs> See, that's amazing. Yeah, my, my my kids will be um will be in the car and <clears throat> my daughter will say, Daddy, play the play the mama song. Play the mama song. He, Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm a huge queen fan if you don't know me um know that i am a gigantic queen fan i love queen um and you know she she knows her version of the words but she knows all the words to to that song and to many other songs and you know instead of listening to you know the daddy shark and all this stuff my kids listen to they listen to classic rock like that's that's where where I want to, you know, give them that the other side of things. So that's I love that it's always been around them, and it it uh it definitely impressed upon them the the need to to expand themselves and to you know to grow themselves within that and and through that, which I, is awesome.
1: I think it's the lucky thing about our age, and and I think that again, even speaking to my dad's generation, is that we still had music in the physical form, which meant you had to listen to it a certain way. You, If you were going to put on, even when they had the phonographs where you could stack four records at a time, if you were listening to four side ones or twos, you still had to listen to four or five songs in a row uninterrupted of the same artist or of the same soundtrack or whatever. But it was still a different nature of like, we. I think that we'll be the last people that will still be passing that type of music on like nowadays it's just i mean you, <laughs> yeah. it, it, like it's it's I, a hey siri yeah yes, it's a it hey siri way yeah, yeah where back then it was like you still had to put a tape in the tape player an eight track into its slot a record onto the a needle to the record right. you know, all those things or even listening to the radio and being being kind of there to accept whatever the things that that radio station was playing right. you know you guys again as i point to you dad you guys were of the era where there was the Wolfman Jack show and the things that were kind of showcased in American graffiti where you'd sit there and listen to a couple of hours of a certain show that would play you. You'd sit there to wait to be fed what type of music it was.
0: And and I think that's something that we've, um, we've lost from then because there's, there's not as much musicality and the, that showmanship is gone from the albums where, there's not, you know, now it's like, oh, we're making a concept album where before every album was a, technically a concept album because you would listen to it from start to finish. Now there's like, oh, track number four is the good one or this or that or the other where before, I mean, you could you could take an album and from one to, to 13, every single one of them is
1: amazing. And, and, and it, don't quote me on this, but I think there's now a metric that says that if an artist makes more individual tracks on an album they benefit somehow in this streaming sense of the word as opposed to somebody just making an album with seven to ten songs and every one of them is absolutely dynamite like you can put 25 tracks now into that same format and they somehow in a monetary sense benefit from being able to have more tracks which is again less fill it's not right 25 dots that perfectly connect themselves like Pink Floyd, The Wall, or something like that. It's, right? Uh, yeah, it's much more loose, but it's still it's good to know that our kids, at least, we're doing the right thing
0: in that sense. Right? And and that and that it's cool to them. You know, it's not just oh, Dad's crazy, Grandpa music over here, talking about God knows what and this and that and don't fear who. Like I don't know what's going on here. You know, Smoke on the Water. I don't know what any of this stuff is. You know,
1: but what, but even at that, it took me a while. To, there was there was also, like, for all the music that I spoke of listening to when I was young, there was a major separation between our two worlds. Like, we would not listen to the same thing in any sense. I, and I would say probably nowadays you would find the common grounds of things like Creedence, Queer, Lotto, uh, CCR. Mm-hmm. Sinatra, Tom Jones, Dean Martin, like things that I grew into as I got older. Right but back then, he listened to stuff of that was born out of the 50s and the 60s. And I was very much a kid of the MTV 80s generation, which led into the 90s and my mm-hmm. own self discovery. So couldn't be further apart in that sense. But it was just kind of, and I see that now in what my kid does as well. Like I could go up to him back then and say, hey, Def Leppard came out with a new album. He'd be like, huh? Yeah. You know, and whereas my son can now say that to me by the names of some of these metal bands that I just laugh at because I'm like, this is so cliched and funny. But now I'm also now looking at it through the same lens that he now was where I'm like (laughs) that to quote, you know, the lethal weapon line, I'm too old for this bleep. But like, that's where I'm just like, Oh, I'm now, I'm now removed from what you're doing to a degree because it's now different tunes for their time. Yeah. And as much as we want to hope that they at least appreciate what we do, it's not always a guarantee. Like one thing that Nico does not like to do right now is he comes in bashing hip hop and every bit, as much as I'm a rocker, I was grew up in the time of the 1980s birth of hip hop when it was set at such a high standard, which led into the nineties, which was a golden era. And like, I always tell him, like at its best, this thing is such a better tool. But right now, you're just looking at clown zone. Like, right. I, and not on the whole. I, not right? No, a- no. This
0: is what what we're the snippet of what he's seeing. What what's boiling up to the top is what he's. Yes. What he's it's, able to it's, catch. It's, yeah. and no
1: wonder kids your age don't look at it the same way because right. it's so far removed from their world. Whereas back then, it was somebody with a t shirt and jeans and and a pair of Adidas shoes that yeah. was just. Someone with two
0: turntables and a microphone, you know.
1: Yep, yep, yeah. So no, but it's but that's the fun part about it is trying to even understand where
0: our generation supposedly ends and theirs begins. Right. No, that that's awesome. Um, to so to take that uh that fun tangent that we went off and kind of going back to the beginning of the of the family, like how did how did that uh how did that come about? Was it something that was, what are they, were they planned? Was it a, <laughs> Hey, guess what? Um, you know, so there's a funny story about, uh, again, the, so, so I guess to give, to give you the full
1: context, again, to understand my wife and I were best friends in college. We, we were best friends for years before we even ever dated. So we had this great foundation of by the time that world began, we knew, we knew each other. We knew that, right. this, that we were just meant for each other, and this was wonderful. So it was, I want to say, because I'm trying to time it, it was a couple. We were a couple months into the wedding. At this point, when you're leading towards the wedding, everything is already planned in right. motion. Find out that she's pregnant. Also decide at this point that we are not going to let anybody know about this at Got this it. time because we knew that. We wanted the focus to be on the wedding itself, and we knew that if all of a sudden then you say grandbaby, you know, it's kind of like – and that's in Jaws where he's like, you say barracuda and people say what? But then you say shark, and then you have a feeding frenzy on your hands. You say wedding, people are like, huh? And then you say, but there's a baby. Oh, baby. And then the whole world changes. a baby, yeah. I don't care what's
0: going on. You bring me that baby and get out of here. So
1: we literally kept it under wraps until the day after the wedding. This was something that there was only, and and admittedly, if there may be people that get offended by this, but there were two people outside of us that knew one of which, the man sitting to my right, the other being her mom. We're like, we have to let two people on the record know this is what's happening. Everybody else knew it to be a secret. Right. You know, so then that day after the wedding, had everybody over, gave pictures out as thank you gifts to the parents for all their support during the wedding. And it's an ultrasound. So then, we, you know, then we can right. explode into that. Then you can share in that in that joy. I think that it, to answer your question, it was never that we necessarily had planned it because I think to us, we view it as most, I think, blissful married people when you go in and say, hey, let's take a couple years for us. Right. <laughs> let's go be married and let's go have fun. And and,
0: and there's nothing wrong with that. No. You know, I, I think a lot of the times, you know, when we have those conversations and, you know, being that, you know – I'm a little, I'm a little older than some of the friends that I have, uh, through work or through whatever, you know, there's, there's that, there's a time for everything. Um, and you have to be able to be selfish. You know, you can't, you can't just jump into things because then, you know, you start getting, you you know, you start, um, what's the word I'm looking for? You start to, uh, uh,
1: i can't find the word well i think there's a couple things that happen i think you start to project and withdraw in certain instances yes. like if your foundation is not solid then those then you start kind of working around those things shooting yourself off in other directions and and going and avoiding because you're still at the core of it you right. want to hold on to the the essence of it but and to us I, I think the beauty of it was we already had our salad days and the fact that, like I say, we were college best friends, meaning right. that we went through our college wild years as fr- you know, friends at the same party, doing right. going to the same concerts. Like we had seen before we ever started – I mean, again, if you think about it, before we ever started dating, we had seen – and I'm just going to rattle them off as I think about them. We had seen everybody from – Robert Plant and Jimmy Page, the Deftones, Fishbone, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the Beastie Boys, a couple of times, Rage Against the Machine, uh, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul. Uh, again, these were things that just as friends, the, before even right. family, became a part of the equation. As you know how I feel about music, like we had been to some of the best shows of our lives amongst all the other things we'd done as friends. So all of to all of, going back to that theme, like it didn't. It kind of freaked us out because we knew that all of a sudden our agenda was going to change. Right, your
0: priorities are going to shift dramatically. Made
1: for the worst honeymoon ever. And, and if if I, if my wife were sitting here in between us, she would nod her head and give her own two cents about that. We because we set out to go on a Mexican cruise where we thought that we were going to be two newly married like yeah. people without bringing a guest along. And so yeah. she was in the cabin not feeling well, like there were so many things that just went against it in that sense. But we then were ready to, to we're like, okay, because we're practical people, let's get ready to be parents, right? Like, let's get ready to do this family thing. And so all of that went great. And and Nico was, you know, it's funny, because you like you as a question you asked us before was, Are was the like I truly would tell you, and I say this with all the affection towards all three of them. But our single was more difficult than our twins, like Mm. he was he went like he was an emergency c section after 24 hours because the doctors didn't believe how big he was. Like there was all these crazy things that now kind of reflect in his temperament and his right ability to be such a little metal kid like that, but. Whereas the twins, we, they were a scheduled C-section and, and you know, I <laughs> right. mean, just
0: not understanding a medical person, right?
1: 24 hour emergency versus scheduled.
0: Like yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's, it's cake. Yes. Exactly. Is what it is. And it's funny that you say that. And, and we did, we had a little conversation before we started recording is we find a lot of similarities once we start talking dad to dad and that's almost like exactly what happened with us. My son was a emergency C sec- section almost twenty four hours later, um, due to medical complications. Um, he, my my son was, I mean, we're the little people. My son was almost almost nine pounds, um, and my daughter was a you know a planned C section. So we got to pick her birthday and everything. And and anyone out there that that can appreciate this, my daughter's uh, birthday is uh, one twenty one. As in one point twenty one gigawatts yeah nice, yeah. very nice so so there's there's some nerd in her already from the beginning, um but it was but it was you know with with my son, there was a lot of you know those complications and it, things get scary and you don't know what to do and with with my daughter it was it was so much simpler we like we went in they I think we went into the room at like eight. Oh six and like 813 I hear a baby crying and I'm like what the heck is going on here like, like it was just not the same experience you know and, and I'm sure for my wife and I'm sure for your wife as well it was very it was very pleasant as far as you know a major surgery is is concerned
1: oh yeah I mean it was far more again it was like you said I mean it's not unlike the mechanics of checking into a hotel like you're just like here we're here to uh, deliver our baby and in that case and for us it was the twins and. Sal came out a minute later, Carlo came out. That was just simple as that. Whereas Nico, again, there was literally this form of distrust. We knew that he was like you again, nine pounds, 11 ounces for Nico and the doctors, every doctor that had seen us along the way, kept telling us this, except for the guy that was about to deliver. It's like, Oh, I don't really kind of believe this. You know, these, sometimes these things are not as accurate and you're just like, and again, got crazy and it's funny how in its own way it was metaphors for just <laughs> things to come after it but but in that sense like i said it's but the only thing about the twins <laughs> that i say was different was this element of surprise you know right. it was something where after the first ultrasound we did not know it was going to be twins so we just assumed oh you're gonna have either a brother or sister, and right. everything's just. We're preparing
0: go. for for one more. Yeah. Not yeah. Not we're now we're having a party.
1: Yeah, and then I'll never forget just being at work that day and do, do 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 Oh, you know, I knew she was. It was a day where I was at work. Kara was in for an ultrasound. It was one where I couldn't be there, so I was just waiting to see messages. They came along and looked down. One word: twins.
0: All right. Well, and and was that the the demeanor that you had or was there a little bit of a freak I was like, oh, we got I, I think this. it was
1: i think it was an oh my gosh i think it like every, you know from my office i because again i was my office was right next door to his office and i think it was one of those things like oh shit or whoops i don't know if i you may have yeah, to beat fine. that out on That's that cool. but it was literally something like that where i think it was just oh wow this is about to happen and now you you know every moment since you're like I, I couldn't imagine one being with without the other just because they right because
0: they're they're a package they, they, are, they come they go together
1: yeah uh, much like a comedy team like yeah it's literally you know uh not unlike uh you know laurel and hardy statler and Waldorf from the muppets like they get like that where like the
0: two old men just ho, 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 ho. yeah that's that's how they and, do it and that and that's got to be great for them uh you know, they, they have a brother that's not much older than them, but that the fact that they have each other, so they're, they're technically never alone, which is, which is, I'm sure is amazing for them.
1: Uh, I always say they never went through a terrible twos. Whereas again, if you do the math, like Nico's terrible twos started with the kind of right around the arrival of the twins. And, and it's a, I will never forget these words as long as I live again, when we brought the twins home, uh, you got to imagine a kid two years old that's old enough and cognizant enough to literally say to us, "They're not staying, right?" <laughs> like I understand that they might be here to visit, but they're right. not. They're not actually living in this home that we now When's occupy. When's their checkout date, Dad? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, how long is their reservation for? And um, but then all the same, I always told them. I told them two things. I'm like, "Wait till they can walk, talk, and play with you." And always remember on the other end that at some point there's going to be two of them and one of you. Right. So, like, A, appreciate when they can play with you. And then play nice because you don't want them to understand if they have the power
0: in numbers – this may turn on you because two years is just close enough for trouble. Right. But also as a two-year-old, he probably also heard, um, this is your chance before they're bigger than you to to get away with as much as you can. Oh yeah. And
1: again, back to that whole, the terrible twos for one versus the other, they, what's funny is we didn't get to see it till two years later, but they never had an identity crisis. Whereas two is a funny age because to me it's, where a kid starts to know everything, but still really can't say a lot. Right. So their frustration is bent in. I know what I want. You know what I want because you can read my mind because I can't tell it to you. Right. <laughs> and so, but to them, they went through the twos as ah, I got him, you know, me and he, he gets it. Yeah. He gets it. <laughs> and I get it. We don't even have to talk about it. Like they, you know, they just had those things and it very, unspoken isms like in the diaper stage it was when you i had that period where i was a stay-at-home dad for a couple of those years and it was when one went you just almost set your own personal internal alarm clock be like okay next 45 minutes or so i'm gonna be changing another diaper and sure enough
0: poof there it was yeah and then that's that's something that that as a dad that was very hands-on like that i very much appreciate that um It's not, we we haven't, we've expanded on those, on those roles and those norms where, you know, oh, it's a diaper, then that's mom's, that's mom's job. No, no, we're, we're, first of all, we're a team. And secondly, like I I find a lot of, I found, at least I, you know, when I was, when mine were a little like that, I found a lot of joy in the, the, the little, the little things that you share in those, in those moments when you're, you're sitting there talking to them, having these random conversations of whatever with the baby that's just looking at you like, hurry up and wipe my butt.
1: Or, or you're having those moments where you have to plead with them like, oh, okay, don't do it. I just hold on. Let me just put this on you, and then right. you can mess it, and then I'll change
0: it again. But just please don't do anything while, uh, while we're uncovered. And with, <laughs> and with boys, things can go flying places. Oh yeah. As opposed to with a baby girl. Or, you know, anything like that. And, and truth be told, I always did it just because I was always
1: holding on for it as ammo so that when they get to the point where they're irrational teenagers, I can always tell them, you know what? I wiped your butt. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? So I, I was there when you couldn't wipe your own butt. So now I whatever that means to you, I'm just going to say it just right? because I've heard it through. Uh, through history, that I think that's some kind of leverage. Yeah, that whole that saying? whole I
0: brought you into this world, I can take you out. Yeah, yeah. I
1: wiped your butt, so that gives me a little electric currency yeah. in this whole thing. Yeah, I get I, you get to listen now. That's yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I'm going to show you these terrible. I'm going to show your your new girlfriend these terrible pictures of you of all the, the yeah yeah exactly yeah
0: or like you know if you you can't see listening, but if you look over here above my fireplace, uh, the pictures that we have of the kids. Uh, it, it you know this is the, your favorite parts of your kids and one of them is their little booties you know so oh dude this will this will be gold because
1: you'll be able to keep this under a towel or under a blanket as like the thing that like again later on when you oh, need yeah. to reason on a deeper level you can be like you know what I'm gonna check out those pictures and maybe bring them out for your thirteenth birthday party how would that be a good yeah. thing it, or should we maybe tone down the expectations yeah. right, a little and, bit and,
0: and maybe and maybe finish our homework today
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd hate for the first thing that your friends to see when they walk in is a picture of
0: of, of your baby butt, <laughs> booty city. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so now all boys, three boys, um, they get along great. Uh, what's a normal a normal day off with the boys?
1: So a normal day off, which is funny because like today would be a normal day off. I have a dedicated day of the week. It coincides with now, like I'm about to go to a basketball game this afternoon where the twins are now playing hoops. So a normal day off because they're now in school is having a few moments. And you can see I'm saying this in quotes Mm -hmm. of free time, which usually involves to me, it's house cleaning, like straightening things out getting things kind of back where they should, you, you know, this, it's like, that well,
0: well for you specifically, while there's a, a great record in the background playing, exactly,
1: exactly. So it's, it, to me, that's part of my jam. And then when it comes to with them, it's, um, it, it's like, it's something to where we're, you know, I'm born from a video game, not dedicated hardcore video game background, but I, I have stories with each of the systems and consoles along right. the way. So we have the the Wii and the Wii U and an old Atari twenty six hundred. So a lot of our things will fall back on those. But I'm also the dad that like say with the twins, it's now playing basketball more, and we're trying to relate the game of basketball right. and lessons through stuff like that. And with Nico, I'm I'm the dad that's like trying to pull him into the garage, which is my kind of my own little cave space where I like to play music. Be like, hey. Come listen to this for a minute because I'm trying to still influence him with things that were of my right. generation. You know, I want you to watch a minute of the Who, even though you don't understand the Who. But I need you to, I need you to watch this one yeah. song, and then he'll be like, "Okay, thanks," and then he'll go off into his room and start playing it on his own. Like that's that's a little of the give and take. Is where I'll serve him up an idea. And then he's like goes off into his room, closes the door to process it, mm-hmm. and play it out, right you know, and so it's one of those things now they're also getting more and more curious on a food level of meeting in the middle, so it's I also, for my passions of music and and sports and things, I also love to be in a kitchen, so it's trying to create that understanding of. This is what this is what's your food, where it comes from, how it affects you, you know, and trying to open them up to new things. So if it's even if it's just me cooking it and them trying to eat it, right. It's that's a big part of that jam as yeah, well.
0: Yeah, we, we try to have a rule in, in this house of um you take your no thank you bite. You don't want to eat something and you don't like it. There's things that I won't that I refuse to eat. Like I I I am I hate mayonnaise. I will not eat mayonnaise. I think it's probably been about 20 years since I've willingly, knowingly ingested it into my body. Um, I have, I, I hate it. I just, I hate it. Like if, if it was a person, I would punch it in the face. Like that's how much I hate mayonnaise. Um, so I understand that certain things you don't like, but if you've never had it before, if you just say, oh, I don't like that, but have you tried it? No, then you need to try it. And obviously mine are a little bit younger than yours. So there's a little bit more of that that dad, you know, like you do what I, what I tell you, but, but with them, you know, they're very structured in how, and how we run things and what the rules are. And my son's a very smart kid. um, And my daughter is incredibly, uh, she's very, everything that he does, she has to do it better. um, And he could care less. (laughs) She is. She is incredibly competitive with him. And he's just like, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. I don't care. You know, but it's it's just, it's just fun seeing their dynamic. Um, and he, because he loves to read. And my daughter reads in quotations. She'll sit there and look at a book and she has no idea what's going on there. Uh, uh, it reminds me of a great story. Um, my wife, uh, we were sitting on the couch and she's, she goes, oh, look at, look at what my sister sent me. On her phone as a text message, my daughter goes, Let me see. She gets her phone and she looks at it and she looks at it meaningfully for a good three seconds and she goes, Teach me how to read, mom. Those little, you know, that little thing that it, just, it makes me laugh about just her little personality and how she is. And, you know, you, I feel like you got really lucky when it came to the terrible twos because, um, for us, my son, when he was around. Two to three uh was when my daughter was born. And my son had um some speech issues where he had some trouble finding his voice, and it was a lot of it was a grunt. And it's funny that you say, like when you say, you know what I'm saying, you can read my mind. We were very fluent in PJ. We could speak his language. We I knew what eh eh ugh. I knew what that meant. I knew what he wanted, I knew what was going on. Um, but it took him a while to find his voice. Um, so a lot of that. The struggles with that were part of his terrible twos, and my daughter had her terrible twos from about two till probably five and a half because they're still there.
1: I I would say my oldest, and again, I say this with all the affection in the world, he had his right up until about the age of 10 or 11. Yeah. It was was one of those things where his personality – did not work with elementary school. He, he's always been a grown up by nature. Yeah. Like he's always been an old soul that even at a young age, like he couldn't relate to other kids, but he could walk up to a grown up and start talking to them like an adult. So right. he had that much longer period. Whereas to, like I said, the twins were always kind of, you could see and hear everything as take it at face value, except for one little funny nugget. Sal, one of the two twins, from the age of, let's say, from zero to about one and a half, acted like he couldn't hear. We used to have to do hearing tests and take wow. him into the doctor and do all these different things to, because he just he wouldn't respond to the human voice or any of that type of stuff. And <laughs> it turns out he was playing us the entire wow. time. And it's why I've always said that, again, not to play into the Italian stereotype, but if my boys ever ran a waste management company, Sal would be the one that would be the head of the company because of those shrewd type moves where he played us for basically that period of time acting like, so you could tell him to do something be like, oh, I don't hear you, you yeah, know, no, yeah. and it, it, to, for him to instinctively be able to do that at such a young age, like I said, it's funny how if you're paying attention, those things are now like just present in different forms. You're like, did you brush your teeth? And he's like, Yeah. You know, you're like, are you lying? <laughs> you're such a liar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like that still that he has those forms of deception. A very trustworthy and honest kid. But he will try to play it.
0: If, oh, the, yeah. if the opportunity exists. Yeah, they, they look for those opportunities. They they look to, you know, my my kids are very, like I said, they're very rule based, but if they can bend a rule. You know, like my daughter knows that i I love cuddling with her, so it's it's you know their bedtime's usually around nine o'clock, so it's nine o five she'll come out. you hear the daddy, can I just? sit with you can you hold me for a minute and i'm like oh duh of course <laughs> you're a bad man if you say no <laughs> <Right>. to that. <laughs> yeah and if anybody's seen my daughter she's you know she's incredibly cute so she gets whatever she wants when it comes to things like that so she'll sit there and it'll be 10:45, and she's been asleep for an hour and 10 minutes on my in my lap and it's fine but you know she gets she plays me she's four years old and she knows how to play me it's just I, female yeah,
1: well, and it's funny because to me, it's like now between eight thirty and nine o'clock is when I I turn into Archie Bunker, where I'm just sitting there in the chair and I'm just like, "Do what you've been asked to do." We we cut our time back a little sooner than that, so. They're at that point of like, we're like, okay, guys, time to brush your teeth and get ready for bed. And they start pulling out their folders like, oh, well, I'm at it. I got some stuff for tomorrow that I need you to sign. Or I'd just like to go over this idea. Tell me what you think about this. You know, really trying to milk those last 20 minutes. And I'm just (laughs) sitting there like, go to sleep. And, And again, with all the love in the world, but- I also realize that they've been do- like they've always had good ways of doing this. Right. Nico could literally trap Kara in there for an evening and never come out. Right. Like I'm just going to lay down with mom for a minute and then I'd be like, "Hey, good morning, guys. How was it?" you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like so I know that they have their means and it's funny. I think it's just one of those dadisms where our gift to it is always cutting through it. You know, it's yeah. like I you just always kind of saying it with a more honest language
0: right and speaking of of that have you have you been able to in you know the the time that you've been a dad have you been able to better relate with with your dad and see like oh now I, now i get all of the things that you were telling me or 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 you know vice versa when you say you, you know you see how what you're doing here? What happened here? Like this is what I was telling you about. How how is that? Well,
1: I've seen, I've had some of those moments come to life where I could see, you know, you guys off to the side with a giggle, knowing that it was very much a full circle moment where it's like you are now watching what you what it was like with you as a kid, you know, and it's and those are great because they're there come full circle moments. You realize that, that, you know, there's, there's a reason that there's a saying the acorn never falls too far from the tree. Like these things are just how it is. There's a certain nature to the way that we choose to influence our kids with the things that they do. Like I've always said, and why, you know, there's always, I guess why I go off on tangents or, why my even sense of humor is rooted in a certain way is a big part of it is because of the information that was relayed from him to me or the way that he viewed that I could see things at a young age when it came to like, he was a big fan of comedy. So the love of things like Monty Python and Benny Hill, and then going into, you know, it was through him that I saw animal house for the first time. And as a young kid, not even understanding everything, that was going on or in revenge of the nerds and you know and now this is stuff that's fodder for if you've ever seen the gold right
0: like that's that <laughs> that's, that's what that it's yeah. all based in that. my kids love that and and to speak about the gold my kids my son's a nerd he's yeah. he's he's a gigantic nerd um and i'm a nerd too so it's fine i can say that um he uh we were watching it and he was like dad i'm i'm adam you know, I'm Adam. That's me. He's so cool. I'm like, boy, he is a nerd. He's yep. the nerd of the show. Like, what are you talking about? Like, no, Dad, he's cool because he likes all the video games that I like. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just laughing. And I don't know if you've if you've uh, experienced this or when or when you first experienced, I'm sure you have experienced this when you first experienced this. We're watching a TV show or watching a movie or watching whatever, and the kids pick their roles, you know, like, oh, this one's me, that one's you. The first time that I was told that one's you, dad, and it was the dad, I was like, oh, oh, heck no. I was that kid 25 years ago, way before you were. That's that's me. You could be somebody else.
1: Yeah. And the most relatable thing, it's funny because we, like, as the season goes, I'm such a movie fan. Again, another layer. You're just learning new layers of the things that I love. But every Christmas we have that collection of Christmas movies that we pull out. And – going last night and watching Christmas vacation. Like as a kid, you always see, like when you would take me to see these movies, I'm looking at the world through the eyes of rusty Mm -hmm. where you at that point are obviously looking at it through the eyes of Clark, which is now how you and I now watch the movie. We're now in the Clark club where you look at those moments where he loses it. And you're like, yes, at least I now feel like I'm a little less weird in the world because you have those moments, but it's, We go from being Rusty to now we're Clark. Right. And, like, that's just the evolution. And, like, someday they'll get how funny it is, even though I always thought he was funny as a physical gag character. Right. Now it's like now you see the levels of the madness where he just, like, one of my favorite things of Clark Griswold is when he turns around to his family and tells them they're all, and I'm not going to repeat the word just so we keep your good rating, but he tells them (laughs) they're all messed in the head. And he's like, we're going to Wally World if it kills me. You know, we just left Anne Edna on the porch right. in the rain and and I don't care. We're going to Funville and you're coming with me. Like, and that's just that moment where it all comes off the rails. But it's such a to me, it's funny to where, like I said, now when you see it through the eyes of, oh, I've been there. I've been there at moments where things got out of my control and <laughs> things like looks like you know it couldn't been any weirder in front of my eyes and if i went and told
0: somebody what i just saw they wouldn't believe me to begin right. with or they or, or if they're if they weren't also in that situation they wouldn't understand yeah
1: yeah but it, but that's what's funny about it and that's where it's now relatable is to where the conversations are very much him now seeing it as a grandpa me talking about the things that i'm doing as a dad you know right which is like the the full circle element of the
0: whole thing yeah and it's it's uh it's great because i'll see like i'll see my dad with with my kids and um just the the joy that they give him is to me it's it's the greatest thing that i've ever seen is how happy they make him, you know uh, I'm sure you've had those moments when you like you say when you see them out you know in their little giggle sessions or whatever's going on over there, and you're just like you know for for me it's something that's that's a that's great to see you know with, when my son's showing my dad how to play uh one, two switch on the switch and they're playing these little mini games and my dad has no idea what's going on, but he knows that it's bringing, it's bringing my son joy and he's, he's there for it. And he's 100% like down to do whatever it takes and, and jump in whenever he's, he's called to action, you know, to, to be a, to be grandpa is, is a, is a, a title that's, uh, that's earned through, through a lot of the dad stuff and then after the fact you get to have all of the great things. You know, and that's that's one thing that going forward I want to make sure that my kids always understand is that with when you're with grandpa, when you're with grandma, with whoever, you know, is that that next uh generation up, it's all good times. And that's and that's all it should be. And it's a
1: different and it's something and again, if forgive me if this is something that we talked about off mic before this, but to me I think it's also a generational thing that is different. Like the vision, like the, because these were our parents that were the first ones to really have that traditional childhood sense of the word. Like right. they were the ones that had now what you would look at as that Christmas card vision of being the kids with all of the attention, which was a generation removed from a depression era group where it was. Right. B- multiple people living in very small squander and different elements. So they had the ability to live this awesome childhood, which then came to, was passed to us, which I think is now something that we see as going to them. But it wasn't always like that with, with, I would say, my vision of my grandparents to where I viewed them much more as work as Right. That traditional view of a working person that did working man things, and one was a fix-it man, and the other was a businessman, and they both had that very, very grandpa element to where, like I said, the new version of the the next generation of the grandpa was the ones that were born of that kid right. experience. So no, I think that's, that that's it, a great that it translates so well to how these kids are getting just such a great group of grandparents. And it is a societal thing. Like that's just what they got to experience
0: themselves as well. Yeah. And we'll bring dad in a little bit too. So we can, we can kind of give the, the grandpa uh, viewpoint of this. The
2: the difference probably because we came from uh, a a group of, of kids uh, very carefree. You know, uh, uh, my, my generation that ended with the Vietnam and, and we were right at the cusp of that, Yeah. you know, in in my, in my age group where uh, I ran with a group of four guys and we wore the same color jacket and uh, as, as to the world, you know, uh, as the thumb to the nose to the world. Uh, and and uh, we sat around and talked about who was going to join, who was going to join the service. We were college age now; we just graduated from high school. Uh, and, and we talked about how that to go. My, I was the only one that chose not to go. And I said, if they want me, come and get me. You know, I'll go. I'm not anti anything, right? Uh, but I'm not joining anything right here. I'm I'm going to make my mark and do my thing. That transition from childhood to insanity mm-hmm. was a tough thing to go to. And, and that had a lot to do with how we treated our grandkids, mm-hmm. you know, is because you say, okay, they don't need to live through war. You right. Know, they, they don't need to. There's other ways to, to select this thing and, and uh, make sure that they're free from, from that burden. Uh, and and that was probably a, a, a gift to us mm-hmm. for them, right? Because uh, we were conscious of uh, this was a passing thing. It was uh, man-made uh, insanity, uh, and why pass that on to your kids? Right. You know. So it it it, it worked out. So we provided the uh, the background the the, the uh, Family background, mm-hmm. the history background right. we were fortunate enough to be able to go back and, and with the italian uh, on both sides of the family uh, we could go back and trace our roots to the uh, uh, back to the the day the first you know uh, stone was lifted in you know in egypt you know we were we were there fighting the bad guys you know and that type of thing, and we had the name and and the rank and the serial number, you could go back through time and find these guys. It was, it was interesting to have um, a
0: belonging. Yeah, no, and, and that's that's beautiful. I I love that, and that's something for 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 me uh, culturally. I don't really have. Um, I don't. I didn't. I never had a, a grandpa growing up. Um, my my mom's uh, father was. Uh, is i never really i mean i met him maybe two or three times in my life um i never he was never really like a a big part of it my grandmas were both there um my dad's dad passed away when my dad was young and my my grandma had had remarried um i don't know how much after that but um that that guy was, uh, we call him Wedo. He was, he was our, he was our grandpa, and I love the man. He was a great guy. But they lived in Mexico, and we didn't, we weren't there all the time, you know. So I never had that that other figure to be there, to be that protector, to be that one that that's giving us that that information um, coming coming through and telling us, you know, where we come from and everything like that. Um, my wife gave me the uh, ancestry thing for um for christmas so it's processing right now so i should get you know where i'm from and all that stuff and kind of going in there so it, it's something that i think is important for us to know where we where we come from so we know where we're going and and knowing what's been there and what hasn't been there so that we can know where how to go from there well and i think it's different too and again i
1: i'm I'm a creature of habit. I go back to things that I understand to relate to, but I think that part of our ancestry thing, like again, when say our kids 30 years from now are sitting in right in their um, pod and recording whatever a podcast is at that point, trying to understand the things, things that will be part of their DNA or some of the things that we've talked about throughout this time is like the Goldbergs and the beastie boys and your love of Metallica and things. And, Things like this are part of the things that uh, that now in this day and age, you have these other things to cling it to. Like I would say, it was a, such a big part. Like I, one of my first memories, and I kid you not, is being in the in the movie theater for Star Wars in seventy seven. Again, I'm one years old, but I still have somewhere up in this bank a memory of being at a movie theater seeing Star Wars for the first time, mm-hmm. because they took me. And it's one of those things where parts of the things that are part of my memory bank involve those clips of media being, you know, going to the movies with him and like at the age of... oh God. I want to say this was like thirteen or fourteen, for instance, totally random one, and it's going to date me. But it was to him and I deciding, "Well, are we going to go see Die Hard two at the theater? Are we going to go see The Adventures of Ford Fairlane with Andrew <laughs> Dice Clay and me being a thirteen year old kid? I'm like, I want to go see Adventures of Ford Fairlane, so that's what we did. We went to go see an Andrew Dice Clay movie. But those memories, because of the way that we were brought up, right? Those are intertwined into them, and our and our kids now because they are. Uh, for lack of a better word, they are slaves to technology because yeah. they're born into a world where it's such a big part of it. Yeah, These things are now part of their memories too. Oh, like parents took me to see this or they, you know, I spent time playing this Nintendo game with them. Whereas like our generation, we took stabs at it, but it didn't work as well right. because – it, like, I remember the one day he and I tried to play Nintendo Golf, and it lasted about 20 minutes, yeah. and it really didn't end well. It wasn't, yeah. it's not one of those that we want to recount too often because there was still a gap in the generations. We now were, grew up with these stimulus, weird. So, our kids now have them, but I think that we also grew up with enough good, tangible things around it that we can always offer the best ways to gift wrap it to. Right. Them. Screens are good. People are better, right? You know, like you can have this world, but you also have world outside of it where you still learn how to walk up to somebody and shake their hand. Cause if you don't know that, I don't care how good your test scores are. You don't have a relatability to whatever is going to be happening
0: out there. Right. And then that's one thing that, that I, I, I as a dad uh, try to instill in my kids is that that personability, that, that the idea of a gentleman For my son, I think that that's very important going forward because people don't, you know, you'll be, you could be walking into the mall or into a store and there's, you know, this little old lady pushing a cart and this kid walks in there and he'll close the door and then keep going as opposed to sitting there and holding it open for her, you know? Growing up, you know, and I'm sure similar for you. You don't, you don't do those things. There's something, something's going to happen here. Like how, first of all, you don't, you don't do that. Yeah. Um, And the the whole please and thank you thing, like my kids, they have, you, you don't have manners. Then where, then who are you? You know, you need to, we need to have that as a base moving forward. Well, and
1: I think just as we were talking about and you, and again, dad, you brought this up about the shift to a, a much more, like joyful and free perspective of that relationship to kids i think the beauty of also where they came from is they were also raised by a suit and tie culture right is that it was still very much the and for and again not every manner that came from these was good there were still parts where we all stir you know again those are for right. di- discussions beyond the dad world but Within that, there was still a general level of respect. You open doors for women. Right. You, do, you do do things the right way. And, and it's like I still think that like those will be some of the more important things that – now it's the Rebel Alliance though. You know, right. the, To go Star Wars on this, the, the, even the idea of this mm-hmm. is now the outer part where we're hoping that those people are still spreading the message because overall – you and I both know there's not apps that are teaching people human decency.
0: No, there's There not.
1: might be places that are showcases for it, but they're not things that are literally showing people how to behave like this if there is not somebody telling them this is the right way to do something. Like, I was grateful that I did not come from a scout's background. My boys all went through a period of at least three years each with scouts. And during that, they had to learn how to, as strangers, stand outside of a Lowe's and ask an older person if they would hello would you like to support scouts today now that was them talking with respect to an older stranger and doing so in a way that was confident right. and it's like yes it was selling overpriced popcorn and yes most adults got it on the other end but they were still learning an important lesson that i don't care what you do or how you do it later on in life even right. if my oldest is going to says he's going to work in music and do all that if you don't know how to talk to people then you're going to be the loneliest talented musician in the world. Like yeah. you still have to have those tools to relate, connect, and move forward in
0: in some respect. Right. It's it's, it's it uh it, to tie it back into you know the things that we've been talking about. Uh, I I read I don't know the uh full factuality of this, but I read a thing where um with Steph Curry, he when he was I think it was Nike who was trying to Nike Jordan was trying to get him to sign a deal and they did a presentation for him and they were calling him Steven. They kept calling him Steven and he was like, wow, you don't even know my name. I mean, that's, that's, that's day one stuff. You know, yeah. it, it, it's those, it's those, that, those lacks of just being a, a regular person, you know, that, that can get you, you know, I'm sure whoever did that to him is probably not working for Nike anymore, but you know, <laughs> I, <clears throat> whew, excuse me. have been sick for about a, eh, probably about three years now. Uh, but yeah, just to kind of, you know, put a little, uh, period on the, on the, uh, on the cast here. Um, great conversation, awesome insight. um, Bringing uh, Grandpa in, I think, is uh, was really good to kind of get that, that outside perspective, you know, from, you know, like how when we say like, oh, you don't know you're not a dad, you can say the same thing. You don't know you're not a grandpa. You don't understand these things. So uh, thanks for sharing with us. Thanks for being here. Um, anything you want to add before we go? Yeah.
1: Again, it's always been, you know, you and I both knew this going in before time. It's always been my nature. And I told him this on the way over. I'm like, there's only been one other time in my life where I've been on this end of a podcast. I produced over a hundred of them in my life, but it's always been from the point of a host. And to me, the thing that I'm curious that I would just love to ask while we're still here on the record is how is the how is the journey of storytelling going for you amongst, like, the different dads that you're talking to along the way?
0: Yeah, I, I've i been – it's been very eye-opening for me. i I didn't get what I thought I was going to get from it. I expected to get, you know, just – you know, just to share some perspective and to share some stories. But you really get to you get really get to peer behind the uh behind the curtain. You get to see the great Oz, you know? And it's and it's awesome just sitting here like and and I think at at least twice during this hour that we've been recording here, uh I was just staring at you mesmerized. Like this is this is not me. This is this is me trying my best to bring out that in that that internal voice that doesn't always get to speak you know, cause dad's not, dad's not the one that's in the front. Dad's the one that drives. He's the one that drives you there and gets you back, but you don't know what he's thinking when he's doing it. You don't know what's motivating him throughout the day to finish off, to, to make sure that we have, you know, that roof over our head, that we have everything that we need. You know, growing up, my dad didn't share a lot of that stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't a thing where, you know, Oh well, you know, dad's doing this because of this. No, Dad said to go to go to sleep, so I got to go to sleep. You know, it's not you know being able to peer behind that that curtain and to see that. I think that's been the biggest thing for me, and that that's what the enjoyment that I'm getting out of it. Um, so, and I don't know how much enjoyment everybody else is getting from listening to us doing that, but you know these these things that we're able to see and we're able to to see the kind of people, the kind of men that that are out there. Um it's it's good. I love it. Um it makes me feel that I need to it, it makes me feel that I want to be better. You know, we're not we're not none of us perfect. Um but I I feel like I'm a good person. I wake up every morning trying to be better than I was the day before. Um I have three people that very much depend on me being that good person every day. You know, I feel like I do have, you know, if you know me in, in, in life, I feel like I do have a bit of a bleeding heart. I'm a, I'm a big softy. I I love people, you know, I love to be helpful as much as I can. Um, And I think this is just another aspect of that to bring, to bring light onto somebody that isn't necessarily there to get the light put on them. It's more us, holding the holding the lantern than anything else. And somebody to be able to put that on somebody that's not always in the spotlight, I think is, is magical. Well,
1: and I think, and dads, because dads are speaking to a demographic where, you know, the human male is not unlike the, the apes at the beginning of 2001, a space odyssey. Like we are meant to be there to find the stick and bash something and not understand the monolith and all of the greater mysteries. But to me, what's nice about it is that I think that you, regardless of the stories that are being told, like there's there's two types of dads. There's a good dad and a bad dad. The the latter is much easier to define because you know right. when those instances when a bad dad exists. And to me, the older I get, and not only coupled with my experience as a as a dad myself, but also as a son to a dad, it's like. I think that as long as you're not a bad dad, you're a good dad. Yeah. Like, I I think you don't always have the right answers. You don't always know the straightest line to do things. And there's reasons that stereotypes like Archie Bunker and Al Bundy and guys like this have existed through the years is because we're not perfect creatures. But if you're not a bad dad, then you're doing the right thing. Like, Mm -hmm. if if you're not getting in the way and if you're providing for those that you brought into this equation and you're responsible on those fronts and you're not impeding and you're not damaging, then you're a good dad. You may not have all the answers, but hell, which of us do? Yeah. But in that sense, if you're not a bad dad, then you are a good dad. And that's
0: better than being a bad dad. Like the more good dads we have, the more good kids we produce. Right. And I and and that's and that's the light I wanna shine. I wanna, I wanna make sure that we see those, you know, um, growing up uh, the simpsons was was my jam i've i 've seen you know i you probably haven 't met the person that knows more about the simpsons than i do i 'll tell you that um, I can show you my shrine in my garage to all my Simpsons stuff but Those episodes where the daddy-daughter ones, and where Homer does everything wrong, but he does it for the kids. When he when it comes time, and even the first episode, I was just about to say that we watched that the other night. Season yeah, Yeah. season one, episode episode one. one. You know, he ruins he ruined Christmas, but he came through for his kids. Yep, you know, it's the perfect.
1: It's the yeah, that's so funny that you're gonna say that because we just watched that as a family the other night, and we're like, here it is.
0: Yeah, and 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 that's kind of how if if I could do if I could do. Everything wrong in my life and somebody says, but he was a good dad, I'm done. That's what I – I did my job, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, 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 it, and it's great because the irony is, is again, as we said at the beginning, to bring it full circle, it's one that doesn't always come with applause, but it's not why we do it.
0: No, and it's not. It's, it's 100% not. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 that, it's that thing. I've said it in a previous episode where, you know, I want my kids to love their mom. I want them. I want her to be the center of their world. Um, I'm. I'm just. I'm here. I'm here to see it. If I can provide a a a vehicle for that to make sure that that they can show her their love, then that then that's what I'm here for. My goal
1: is just to wait to cash in that moment where I said, I wiped your butt when you were young. That's that's what I'm waiting there for. You go. I'm, I'm just holding that chip on there, and then I'm going to throw it on the table like a glorious, like the end of Rounders when he beats yeah. Teddy KGB. That's going to be like, there it is, guys. Mic drop, and
0: I'm out. Perfect. And I think on that, that's a great uh, moment to end. Um, so uh, thanks for coming along for the ride, guys. Uh, go ahead, take your seatbelts off, get out of the car, go inside, go to sleep. All right? Thanks, guys.